Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. In the age of social media, have you ever found yourself having virtual friends? That is to say that you feel like you are friends with someone that you may have only met once or maybe never met at all. It is a very new and weird way of building relationships, but this is becoming pretty normal in life these days. You get random friend requests from friends of friends, or you meet someone once at an event or something and you connect with them, but that's the extent of your relationship until you start following each other and you get a sense for who they are and either like them or you don't. My guest today, Darian Lowenstein, is one of those people for me. I met him once in 2012 and then became Facebook friends with him. Well, in the time since that one meeting, I have grown to love this guy. He is absolutely fascinating and frankly, really confusing. First of all, he looks like he's 21. But if he isn't starring in a reality show or being caught out with celeb friends by paparazzi, he is traveling the world for fun or his work, which kind of looks like fun to me, as the chief marketing officer for Gamblet Gaming. Watching him on his adventures is enthralling, and I'm so excited to have him as a guest because... Whatever he is doing in this life of his, I think it's his responsibility to share it with the rest of us. He is a kind and fun guy with a zest for life that is palpable. He is also super busy, so I'm thrilled he was able to take some time out to come over and chat with us. Darian, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's fun to be here. You, well, I said it best in the introduction, but your life, I mean, how fun are you? (laughs) (laughs) I feel hashtag blessed, not ironically, every day. Like, my life is insane. It is insane. Uh, Growing up in the woods of Oregon in a small town of a thousand and being homeschooled, I never in a million years thought that my life would uh, be what it is today. So, uh, yeah, it's insane. It's awesome. Well, normally I have people on and I always know there's this, like, story of something that they've done wrong or there's these issues that they've had. And we talk about that. Well, I don't know if you have any of that stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> we all do. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But first, I want to start with just uh, give us a ba- some background from, you know, like you said you're from the woods uh, to L.A. and being caught on paparazzi. So <laughs> tell us about your background. Where are you from? How old are you? How did you get here? All that good stuff. Uh, okay. I was born in Kansas, uh, moved to Oregon at the age of three, raised out in the woods uh, and was homeschooled uh, for my entire education. So I graduated early uh, at the age of uh, 14 through a correspondence course uh, from a high school in Illinois uh, called American School. It's something a lot of actors take. So basically, uh, you get all the tests. You um, sort of fill everything out, mail it in, and then a instructor in Chicago grades everything and mails it back to you. So my parents kind of tutored me and I graduated early and started working. And uh, I knew at, at 14 it was either acting or designing video games. And of course, not knowing anybody in the middle of Oregon, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go after video games because that's a little bit more approachable. Right. Uh, so I started reviewing games. I got offered a job at 15, which was an hour away, and I couldn't uh, couldn't drive there. So the day after I got my driver's license, I started working uh, full-time, moved out of home at 16. Were you allowed to work full-time at 15? You know, what's funny is I was working like 60 hours a week, and about three months in, the head of HR came to me and was like, yeah, so you're 16. We found out it's kind of illegal 
for you to be working this much. So. I think it's a lot of illegal. Not kind of, a lot of illegal. Yeah, so they were like, so please don't tell anybody. And we're just going to have to limit you to 40 hours a week. And I was like, mm, all right. Uh, so yeah, I learned, I learned that lesson, uh, quickly, but yeah, uh, basically worked my way up through the industry, uh, from that age on from, uh, testing video games, you know, reviewing video games, which I started at 15 and then testing. And then uh, I got my first job as an assistant producer at, um, 18 in the Bay area. Um, crazy. after a crazy layoff, I got laid off and then, and then got this job and moved down to San Francisco and, um, not knowing a soul. Uh, and I was determined, got promoted associate producer, got laid off there. You'll notice a theme here, which is common for anybody <laughs> in entertainment or video games or movies, TV. You get laid off all, all the time. time. Uh, and I got a job as an associate producer uh, down in San Diego um, at 20. So I moved down there, again, not knowing anybody, and then worked my way up to producer. This was at Rockstar Games, which is famous for Grand Theft Auto and all sorts of oh, other nice. things. So I did like a big one. It's huge. Grand Theft Auto, one of the biggest video games of all time. Um, famous for being able to kill prostitutes and get money for it, which um, I never participated America. in that. I did not, America! Uh, I did not make that game. I made much more family-friendly games. Is that really true? Yeah, they totally true. kill prostitutes and get money for it? Well, I mean, you go around stealing cars, and one of the things is you could get a prostitute, and she could get in your car, and like the car would like shake, and your health bar would fill back up, and then she'd get out of the car, uh-huh. and then if you ran her over, you, you could get money. You know, I'm just going to take <laughs> a, a sidebar lot, here. A I've never talk. played this game, um, and I always hear people talk about it. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm I'm actually speechless. That's yeah. terrible. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. They okay. got more free press for that. It was like a $100 million free marketing campaign because wow. every parents group and every, every action group got up in arms. And, of course, this made every much i would say boy like 12 to 35 need to have that game. go out and buy the game right. which is why it made a billion dollars in a couple days was there like a, a rating like a mature rating or oh yeah no like it was rated mature a couple stores okay. stopped selling it yeah this is a whole thing it was about a decade ago i don't think i would let my kid no i totally wouldn't I would let my totally kids play it i'd be play like that. hell no what kind of message is that sending oh it's terrible it's absolutely terrible it's horrible which is why i never participated in that never worked on that franchise you know i'm like a good person Good, good. All right, that was a sidebar. All right, keep going. So you're working at this, like, behemoth of the gaming industry, which is a great resume resume builder, right? It was. I was there for five years producing. Um, Pretty much didn't have a life. I would work six to seven days a week. Uh, Sometimes I I would often um, call my parents in the morning on the way into work, and I would work such crazy hours that it got to the point when I would call them in the mornings, they would say, are you going into work or are you leaving work? And how old were you then? Uh, I started there at 20 and I left when I was 25. So I would, I would literally leave work at like 8 a.m. sometimes. So when the rest of us are getting hammered, dancing the night away, going to bars and doing that whole thing in their 20s, you were working like a million hour weeks. Yeah, I hit 120 hour weeks several times. Oh my God. Yeah, I slept underneath my desk uh, a lot. Um, it's what uh, building a career in, in that industry, I think, really takes a lot of times. I was also a producer, so I was basically responsible for managing a team of about 70 people. It was a very awkward time because when I was 20, I probably looked like I was 15. I was very nerdy and dorky and <laughs> tall and awkward, like just like now, really. 
No, uh, no. Just not well, just not as young looking. And uh, so people would come up to me when they when they joined the team, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're Darian. You must be the tester, right?" They'd right. assume I was like this, you know, the middle school person. kid they brought over. Right, exactly. And I would be like, "Actually, no. I'm the producer. I'm your boss, and you're actually about 20 minutes late. I'm going to need you to be on time tomorrow." <laughs> so it was a very, it was always a very awkward conversation. Uh, but ultimately, I, I learned a ton. I grew a ton there, and certainly being a you know managing that many people and having you know a fifty million dollar project wow. that you're in charge of uh, is is intense um, and one of the reasons I put in the hours. But I sort of see it as uh, as as rock star graduate school. I learned a ton there, um, and I, I think I gained so much more than I would have had I gone to college. You know, and I'm gonna again stop you in your timeline, which is a trend in my podcast. So I always have <laughs> something to say, but. I'm a hold, please. Yeah, I I really believe this to be true. Uh, I talk to a lot of um, younger people, and I go to colleges and some high schools, and I'm usually told not to say this, but education is so important. Lifelong educating, it's, it's what you do as a human being. However, I believe that for some people, the structured education of going to college may not be the best thing for them. When I finished high school, I didn't know there was another choice. It was ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, 13th grade, 14th grade. Like, you just went to college. I was not ready. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasted so much time and money. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes, you know, either if it's go experience life, figure out what you want, or if you're going to be in acting or if you're going to do something that requires you to be invested, go do it while you're gaining your education. And that's okay. So... I really frown upon people that look down on people who haven't gotten the subscribed education, you know, who totally. haven't done that like, oh, where'd you go to school? Oh, you didn't go to college? And they turn their <laughs> nose down. It drives me crazy. And my partner is in a field where the first question they ask is, where'd you go to school? And they judge people on what college they went to. And that drives me crazy. So I just had to say that I think that you brought up a really good point is that sometimes the best education is doing well, especially in entertainment, right? Because I I found when I was uh, when I was fifteen and I was reviewing games and I was consulting in a company and I was looking for like you know what my full time thing was going to be. I, I spoke to a lot of people who had the job that I knew I wanted one day. They were uh, game directors. They were uh, producers. You know, they were doing cool stuff. And I asked them like, "Hey, where did you go to college?" And they'd say, "Oh, I went to college and I got a degree in English." And I'm like. Oh, okay. Because again, this is like the mid '90s when you know there weren't game degree programs at every college like there are today. And so I realized at 15, like, okay, well, if I go to college, it's pretty much going to be a waste for what I want to do because every single person I respect and like in the field that I've had a chance to talk to uh, didn't go to college for exactly what they are doing today. Right. Uh, so and I, I found as I as I got older, I definitely fought that when I went and interviewed, and people were like, "Oh, well, where'd you go to college?" And I'm like, oh, "Actually, I, I didn't." But once I told them my story, story and then I'd follow it up with oh and I you know I produced uh, uh Rockstar Games Presents Table Tennis and Midnight Club 2 and Red Dead Revolver and I'd start laying these hits down and right. the metrics and the success and this sold x million copies and got x million that's all people cared about and so today you know at the last several companies that I've I've been in a leadership position at I force HR to remove a college requirement in any resume uh, or Good posting yeah because it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense and it'd be so hypocritical for me to be hiring for something when it says required you know college degree when I'm my ass didn't spend a day in college right right <laughs> that's but, not right and I just think that and I'm, I'm not advocating don't go to college because 
college is amazing and it's an experience and it's necessary to educate yourself. Yeah. What I'm advocating is educate yourself in the right way for you. Totally. And and I love that you get that and you you have succeeded and you know that for people coming up that maybe it isn't that isn't a necessary road because honestly them working in the field and understanding them that market by immersing themselves might be the best thing to do. Absolutely. I think for a lot of people it truly is. Okay, so this was all down in San Diego. So tell me about your transition. How did you get up to LA? Uh, so I, I, after about five years of working at Rockstar, I hit a point where um, I couldn't do the hours anymore. I didn't have a social life. Uh, it was just totally draining on me. And I, I started looking around and I ended up um, accepting an offer for a job at Electronic Arts, you know, one of the biggest video game companies in the world. Always wanted to work there. And they were in LA. Loved LA. Always wanted to live there. So I, uh, yeah, gave my gave my notice and moved up to LA knowing I think I knew one person in LA. And uh, it was literally probably the best decision I ever made um, in a lot of ways, both personally and professionally. It's a common theme on this podcast. LA changes lives. <laughs> it, it, it Absolutely did. You know, I moved here in 2006. Um, I was closeted, uh, for, except to my family, I was closeted for, you know, my entire life up to that point. So up to 25. Um, and that was largely because in the industry that I worked in, if being in a management position, if I was out, I would not have been promoted, I probably would have faced a lot of issues. So I always it's a very like man's boy's world it's right? a it's a bro yeah it's a bro industry it is very much in, i would say like 95 percent uh managed by straight white males now this is this has improved over the last you know 20 years that i've been doing this um and you have some more women in leadership roles some uh you know some other minorities but that is definitely under 10 percent. once you look at like the executive uh roster so it was you know it was a it was a career choice um but once i uh, once i came to la i started giving less of an f and started being like you know what i i want to live my life i started making gay friends for the first time started going out to gay events and gay bars and really truly becoming myself um was still semi-closeted at work but you know if you dug in a little bit wasn't that hard to find you know what i'm saying uh what'd you do on the weekend oh you know i went uh, to the abbey and then i went to mickey's and then and I, I went, went to, to three pool parties and, yes. and uh, can you imagine if in our 20s Instagram and Facebook were there. There's no way you could hide anything. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Especially your social media. Because you're always (laughs) with... Like, I hang out with people. I hang out with a lot of straight people. Whatever. You know, a lot of my friends are straight, mostly, just because... I I haven't lived in a place that has lots of gay people most of my life. Yeah, totally. It's just my friends are happen to be straight. But, like... You are always with these people that there is no doubt they, they are the the posters for like, this is how gay people should look. And that, that should be. They're all perfect. And like Darian's pool party one, party two, party three. The it, Yeah, it, you, you would not be able to hide anything. Not, not so much. I think the minute you agree to do a reality show where you date a person of the yeah. same sex, you're it's, pretty it's much funny. saying I'm not only out of the closet, it's like firing a cannon. Yes, which we're going to get to that too. Um, all right. So. So you're in LA, you are embracing who you are. Yeah. Another common theme with me and the thing that I talk about to kids mostly is the sooner you figure out who you are, what you want, and you become okay with it, the better and the more fast-tracked your life is going to be for where you want to go. So it's a great point. It's a great thing to teach kids. And I think it's absolutely true because I feel like once I really embrace myself and gain that confidence... 
uh, everything in my life got better. I think my relationships got better. My friendships got better. Uh, my career got stronger. Uh, and I just became much happier overall because I could go out and be myself. And I still kind of juggled a dual life. You know, I'd work with 99.9% um, .9 um, straight people at the office and got along great with everybody and had straight friends. And then I would go to a, a gay, you know, party and live. It was a completely different world, right? right. Um, never the two shall meet until much later. Uh, but I think it, it, once I, I really embraced those different aspects, I... Um, yeah, my life just soared. And the amount of things that have happened to me since I have I've lived here have been insane and n nothing I could ever predict for myself, from meeting my idols to being in a TV show to working with brands like Pac-Man and Transformers and, and steering those universes, like complete insanity. Yeah, and, and your life really is. It's it's, it's ridiculous. So, it's so incredible. It's it's ridiculous. It, it's it's like an eighties like coming of age movie. You're like that totally. would never happen. That doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> like, <laughs> but what? it does. That's stupid. I could just imagine like if we if we wanted to put a montage together of your life, people would think you were a liar. Oh, completely. Because it's not if real. If I didn't have photos, you know, there was there's been there's been a lot of moments. About uh, two years ago, I was at Playboy's Midsummer Night's Dream Party at the mansion. Hef and the whole crew, everybody there. It was two thirty in the morning. Um, it was a pajama party, but because I'm me, I dressed as Iron Man in a onesie. And it, uh, at two thirty in the morning, I was feeding grapes to a bunch of monkeys in a cage with two topless playmates who were body painted. <laughs> As one does. As one does. And I had a parrot who apparently is gay on my shoulder who was flirting with me because he was bouncing up and down. And I, I just sort of stepped back and went, you know, I never pictured this for myself, <laughs> but it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, who could, first of all? But yeah, it is <laughs> right. awesome. So, so you obviously have worked really hard, which is one thing to make sure people realize is that you've worked. I mean, you really didn't have much of a youth it sounds like you were 14 and then you worked yeah i mean i, I you know I, I i think i've made up for that uh later on i have i've had a great social life in la but um, you found some balance yeah i found some balance there, there are certainly periods where i i didn't have that balance and i learned how important it is and how much better i met my job when i do have that balance um but i you know again i think people go to college and they work a full-time job trying to pay for college and they have no life for four years so i very much view that like sort of 20 to 25 period of my life is the same thing. Like I didn't have a lot of a life. Um, I had a few close friends, but uh, for the most part, it was work, 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 work. Right. So besides from your achievements in the gaming industry, you've also done some really fun things. And one of them is being on a reality show <laughs> and Bravo Ooh, called girl. Friends to Lovers. Which, and... which, by the way, when I signed on to that ish, it was called More Than Friends. Okay. Question mark. Funny. Which is adorable. And then halfway through production, they're like, oh, we're going to call it Friends to Lovers. And then my castmate and I, Charlie, were like, that is disgusting, semi-offensive to the gay community, and also just gross. Why do you just call it Moist to Lovers? Because it's oh, roughly going to have the same effect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, and so we fought that and obviously lost that battle with NBC Universal. But, you know, say lovey. Okay, so you go on this, this you know, gay boy from the woods of <laughs> Oregon goes on this national reality show with your friend. And the whole yes. point is that you may like him. You think you might. It, so the, the premise of the show was uh, basically it took people who had been friends for like five or six years 
and sent them on a series of dates as a social experiment to find out if it would, you know, love would blossom or if it would ruin the friendship forever. And uh, the reason that, that I did the show is I uh, was hosting stuff on the side. So I had a video game talk show. Right. Uh, I did some like celebrity red carpet interviews. I loved hosting. It was so much fun, but it's obviously a very difficult industry to break into. So my thinking at the time was, hey, like get on a national TV show. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of doors will, will open, um, for you. And so I, I signed on and Charlie and I thought, you know what, this is going to be silly. This is going to be fun. We just basically laughed together 24 seven anyway, cause we're both giant dorks and thought, well, Hey, what an adventure this will be. And what an adventure it was. I just had, um, Blake from the, he was on the bachelorette, um, Blake Ellerby nice. and he really, it what it, it didn't go very well for him because you don't have much control over what happens and it just has to kind of go. Yeah. And um, for him, it was it was a tough experience and that he's still trying to deal with. What do you think in the after him? Are you glad you went on it or do you have regrets? Here's or, the thing: how did how did how did it affect you? If you've ever watched a reality show, you know what you are signing up for. So. If things are never going to go the way you plan, you're never going to be the one producing or directing the show unless you have an EP title in those credits. So you're going to be thrust in situations you're not comfortable with. You're going to be portrayed. You're going to be edited within an inch of your life, however the producers feel fits the storyline. And you know that going into it. You sign to do a reality show. You sign hundreds of pages of paperwork that literally say like they can hide cameras in your place. They can edit you however you want. They can create situations that didn't exist. They can create storylines that didn't exist. They can put together something that happened, you know, three months ago with something that happened four months later, right? And, and and create whatever they want. So reality is used very loosely. Absolutely. And you know the signing into it. And whenever people complain about things in a reality show, I'm like, dude, you knew what you signed up for. That's part of the that's part of the trade-off. It's part of the bargain. And so I, I think uh when when the show aired, you know, I was actually portrayed very positively. I was I was portrayed as the shy nerd who uh, just wanted love and wanted a relationship, and Charlie was portrayed as more the party boy. Yeah, I was going to say that you looked like the normal sane one. <laughs> well, the truth, as always, with anything on TV is somewhere in between. <laughs> right. um, one of my favorite parts was they showed me uh, go- showing up at a pool party in Palm Springs, which is supposed to be our first date, which was not actually our first date. It was technically our second or third date, but edited. Um, and then when when we showed up, like I was like very awkward and comfortable because Charlie had brought me there on a date. and I didn't really want to be there. When the reality was, you know, I go to pool parties all the time. Right. So anybody who knew me was watching like, wait, like, why are you so upset? Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that that happens. Um, Ultimately, it was a really fun experience. I didn't get out of it what I wanted, which was uh, it didn't launch a hosting career. Ultimately, I think the show was fun, but people just didn't really tune in and watch it. Yeah. I think for a lot of reasons. Um, And uh, what I did get out of it is a lot of comfort on camera. Um, where to the point where you could put a camera in front of my face. I'm just like, hey, what's up? How's it going? How are you doing? And that really helps me with uh, my career and future jobs. You know, and I'm I'm basically um, like the face of my company now. And I do a lot of most of the, the TV on camera interviews. And I, I am very comfortable with them. I know how to have fun. I know how to talk about my product or talk about what's going on um, with a level of comfort that I didn't have that didn't exist before that show. Right. So I really view, I view the Bravo experience as kind of Bravo College for yeah. on-camera media training. I learned a lot about PR and I learned a lot about image and um, I absolutely do not regret going on the show. It was a fun life experience. I got to start a TV show. Yeah, I got so to cool. bring my mother 
Byron to it, who absolutely became the star. Oh, and, she's, and created Twitter Storm. She was trending on Twitter. She's on my index cards. Okay, we're gonna just <laughs> oh, pop right to now. Is her name snap. Janae? You say Janai. Janai. We're just gonna skip you right now. <laughs> Valid. It. I happens. don't care if you care about him or not. I don't care if you care about me or not. Go no. to his social media <laughs> and find his mother. I think it's on my bucket list to meet her. You really should. She is life experience. I have never ever seen. Any character created in life <laughs> as entertaining as your mother. Yeah, that's about that's about right. I am positive that multiple people keep friendships with me so that they can see my mother when she visits. It, it's I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Okay, turn off the podcast. <laughs> Darian Lowenstein on Facebook <laughs> as a, at Darian L one at Darian L one on Instagram. Go and right now. Mom has a hashtag. Oh, hashtag that's so Janai J A N A I, and there are videos on there going back multiple years on Instagram of her ridiculousness. I, I'm not kidding. Stop right now. Go look because <laughs> then you'll understand. When you come back, how entertaining this woman is. Yeah. So this is your mother. It's my it's my crazy mother. Um, fun fact, we did Let's Make a Deal uh, a couple years ago for her birthday. And we, of course, got cast and, of course, got up on stage. And she actually made Wayne Brady speechless. I think I watched this. I watched the clip. Yes, <laughs> on I YouTube. do remember. And he literally walked away at one point. Um, I, of course, was semi-embarrassed as, you know. Were you Richard Simmons or something? <laughs> Richard Simmons. Did you go as Richard Simmons? I was, I was, I was a thrown-together costume in the last minute, which was a 70s uh, volleyball player, which was basically short shorts and oh, a tank top. And I thought a it was fro. Richard Simmons, yeah. Okay. Va- you know, Val, it could have been. It absolutely could have been maybe in, in, in his youth. Um, and mom was a giant, like, woodland fairy with giant golden wings. Which is what she would just wear going to the store. Which she literally sent me a picture yesterday. And she wore it at Costco. She's doing yeah. a, a project for the homeless there. <laughs> and she's putting together um, gift bags basically for each of them of like food and warm socks and, uh, you know, vitamins and just stuff that uh, for, for them. And she went to Costco dressed in this like woodland Christmas fairy outfit. And I'm like, yep, seems right. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just, she's so, she's, it, again, just go. Super You'll character. Know what we're yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you come from entertaining people so you being in the entertainment industry isn't a far stretch so figure yeah and i'm telling you guys just have to go check her out she she needs her own show or something i just i I don't care just on my bucket list i have to meet her before (laughs) i die because she's amazing so Um, so you did the reality show you think it was a good experience and you went into it with the right attitude if you're gonna go into it do your homework know what you're doing and know what you're getting into exactly before going on it you have to. um and yeah you had a hosting career so you did uh what was it uh game guy tv game guy, game TV. guy tv yeah that was that was my baby and what's going on with that are you still into that or is your is your work life kind of overthrowing that now I'm, i know that you do a lot of interviews i mean i think i've seen you on msnbc one day i was like <laughs> wait a minute is that darren like i mean you what is he you, on there that you pop up at, uh, on TV, but are you still doing the hosting? It seems like it's something that you're passionate about. Are you still doing it? Uh, the hosting, I, I haven't really pursued, honestly, because um, as much as I love doing it, as much fun as it is, 
a lot of the auditions and things that I did go on, they ended up going to, you know, 2000 sitcom stars and people right. who had a social media following over several million. Yeah. And so it just hit a point where I'm like, oh, this is this is too difficult to try to pursue. I want to put my energy and work into something that will um, that will, I think, bear more fruit. Um, so so Game Guy TV, I had a blast with. I pitched it all over town. And the general feedback was, this is a great idea. We love taking like video game industry experts and having them talk about video games and answering viewer questions but you don't have a social media following and we need at least 500,000 followers and we need this and we need that and you need to be a star and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, okay, well, this this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. So I kind of left it behind and focused on other aspects of my career and, and jumped into you know other forms of, of entertainment. But it'll always definitely have a special place in my heart. And yeah, whenever a camera shows up, I get to be big and loud and dorky and, and have fun with it. Well, okay. How old are you? I'm 36. Oh, but if you ask my age and I'm 29, but I can oh. play 21. <laughs> you can play 21. I can okay. totally play First 21. First of all, we're the With really age, bad lighting. Which really pisses me off because <laughs> I am over here looking like a lumberjack and oh, you're please. over there looking like you're on your way to like freshman year college. Oh, please. With zero lines <laughs> in your face. Come on. Um, Fat helps a lot. With lines <laughs> on the face. It's a, it's a little known secret. Um, So it, to be in your 30s right now where you're at, you're at a good place. And yeah. I would have no doubt that at some point you're going to reach those million mile, million follower mark. And who knows? You might revisit it later. Right. You know, that's the fun thing about LA is anything can happen. I think as long as you're open and people, you know, know that you're a hard worker and you put the effort in and you put out there what you want to do. You know, so many doors have opened for me that I, I, I never thought. I never thought that I would be a director, that I'd be concepting ideas. Right now I'm working on a concept for uh, Pac-Man commercials that I'm going to direct next year. Which when that's he insane. says director and he means director, like commercials he does commercials and he, he puts pictures of him on set as they're making these commercials and again i'm like who is this guy valid valid I, he's my I, age it's it's ridiculous one of the craziest life experiences i ever had was i came up with a crazy idea for a playboy commercial uh for a playboy game that we we made it gamble it uh, it's a play called playboy pinball and i got budget from my awesome boss and i flew to london and we brought the whole thing to life and i essentially we took over rivoli ballroom which is a gorgeous ballroom in London. And we had uh, uh, basically the, the theme was bringing a uh, pinball machine to life in a 1960s posh party. So we had all these people dressed up and like champagne oh, cool. and the cakes in this classic ballroom in London. And the whole theme was basically the the uh, Playboy bunnies were human pinballs and they came through and trashed the party. So all these elite crusty socialites are like, oh, my pearls. And <laughs> the bunnies are going through trashing everything and they're winning cash, sort of like what happens in the game. So it kind yeah. of brought the game to life. And it was this amazing, epic two-day shoot that was so, so completely surreal. Like, how did I get to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm in this position where my dream is coming to life in London with Playboy? Amazing. And then even crazier um, about, this was, gosh, about maybe five months ago, uh, a friend um, offered to introduce me to Anthony Hopkins, who I am. Is that I, all? And just Anthony, Sir Anthony. Uh, so he actually likes to be called Tony, oh. so I call him Tony now. Oh, um, 
There you Vomit go. So if you meet him, I know. <laughs> no, I, just, I can't with you. We're it's, done. It's, it's beyond. And of course, I'm like, oh my god, like uh, Westworld. Uh, I mean, I mean, the amount of the uh, Silence of the Lambs, like the amount of things that man has done. I truly regard him as one of the best actors ever. Born. Without a doubt. And so, of course, I was like, oh my god, I would love to meet him. So my friend introduces us, and we start talking, and he tells me about all his paintings that he has, and he starts showing me these paintings he's working on. He's an incredible, incredible artist. I had no idea. Follow him on Twitter. He posts stuff all the time. It's amazing. And uh, my friend says, Darian, show him, show him some of your trailers you directed. And I was like, oh, it's Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> like, who's been in like the biggest budget, like most creative movies ever. Like, I'm not showing him one of my silly little trailers. And my friend's like, dude, just show him, like, show him, like, you know, the the Gambit poker ad. Show him the Playboy ad. And I'm like, oh god, okay. So I'm loading up my phone, and and um, I, I show I show the Playboy ad to to Tony, and he is watching it. And halfway through, he looks up at me. He's like, you, this was your idea. I'm like, well, yeah. And he he looks at it, and then he looks back at me and goes, this is this is genius. This is so so creative. He's like, you're. You're brilliant. I love this. And he was so genuine. So, of course, pee shooting down my leg. Uh, <laughs> and I, like, thanked him and, like, asked for a photo, like a total dork. And uh, and then I literally went back into the other room and I cried. Oh, as one I would. Full and on cry. Like, like, not like a cute, like, like full on, like just ugly girl crying, like oh, just I, tears. I mean, how could you not? And I yeah. mean, for people that work in an, the entertainment industry in whatever way, shape, or form, or people that are passionate about entertainment, when you meet, I guess maybe in any field, when you meet those people that are the, you know, the top echelon or the people that you admire, it's the most overwhelming thing in the world. Completely. And there's Completely. been yeah. a couple people that I met that when I've when they walk away, it's just like, oh, my God, I got to meet Barbara Streisand. And, like, my oh. mother, I grew up with my mother. Like, lo- my mother loves Barbara Streisand. My sister was constantly on in my house. And, like, who doesn't like Barbara Streisand? Like, gotta love her. Of course. And not only did I get to meet her, but she, like, gave me, like, a little piece of advice one day and told me that I was a really nice guy. And she walked away. And I literally stood there. Just oh my God. stood there. Like, oh, my God. I oh just God. talked to Barbara Streisand. What, what was her advice? <laughs> Well, it's a long story, but basically I was double booked for a little featured role and they they booked it to two people by accident. And I said, you know, don't worry about it. Give it to this guy. He's very mad. He's calling his agent, blah, blah, blah. I just got booked by like chance. I was like, I'm still going to get paid, right? They're like, yeah. I said, okay, well, you know what? The PA was so upset. I was like, let him have the wardrobe. He can do it. It's not even speaking. It's like a feature background, like calm down, right? Well, I guess it went all the way up how I just said, don't worry about it. Let the guy have it. It's important to him, whoever, because he was making a big stink. It went all the way up to the director who told Barbara Streisand, who told me, she said, well, it was, you know, she brought me over. The director said, oh, Barbara, this is the guy. And he did this today, blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know what, honey? They may not remember your name, but they'll always remember his. And don't forget that. Wow. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting thing. So That's so yeah. true. So he'll, they may not remember that I was the nice guy, but they will remember him for causing the whole stink. So <laughs> that was definitely a moment. I was like, oh, my God. I just talked to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> oh, my God. And she gave you a career advice. Career advice. Which is yeah. a little, like, would you have ever predicted that for yourself no. 20 years ago? No. And that's uh, that's what I love about L.A. And I tell people this all the time. When you wake up in the morning and you go to the grocery store, you go to get your coffee, something may happen that is going to completely pivot and shift your whole life 
because you live in LA and you have to be open to it. And that's what's so amazing about LA. It's totally true. I love it. So, so you and Tony, (laughs) aka Anthony, our Hawkins, are like BFF, which is disgusting. I mean, I don't want to use the word best friends, but (laughs) I would say like, 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 lifelong, (laughs) like, cool. But this is not your only like friend that is in the industry because someone appeared. In the Daily Mail, <laughs> like last week, right? Uh, yes, was paparazzi. <laughs> this guy sitting across from me. So tell us about that. Oh, that was another example of my life is completely and utterly ridiculous. So uh, my dear friend Delta Goodrum is uh, an incredibly warm, loving, sweet person. On top of that, she's also a massive pop star. Uh, in Australia, she's, gosh, I don't know even how to describe her. She's like Australia's sweetheart. Um, I, I've heard her been described as the new Kylie. Yeah, yeah, I would say the new new Kylie. I mean, she's... You know how like with Madonna, they're always like saying like the younger ones is like the new Madonna or the right. new Christina. Totally. Well, this is, they. I've heard her being called as like the new Kylie. I always tell her she has the voice of an angel and the body and look of a Victoria's Secret supermodel. So she's perfect <laughs> for succeed. She's success. literally yeah. she's literally perfect to the point it's annoying. We're, we're like, well, whatever. We'll be drinking all night and like, uh, you know, I'll see her in the morning and she looks perfect and flawless and is like flowing in like a cape. And I'm like, I meanwhile, I look like a zombie and I'm like, Argh. I'm like, how are you human? Oh, I'm not people. actually sure she's human just yeah. for the record, although that'll probably show up and uh, and and uh. So Blog yes. somewhere, <laughs> like, but best but, friend, <laughs> she's not human. She's not human. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Aliens deny. Um, so we decided to go to the mall as one does, and and get some shopping and some Starbucks done. And we went to Claire's because you know Claire's is the epitome of fashion. And we're giggling <laughs> like two twelve year olds, and we found these hats that said besties on them. It was a matching white, matching black hat, and we thought. Well, this is going to make for a fun, silly photo. So we got the besties hats, we put them on, and we t- proceeded to take a series of ridiculous photos and Instagram um, Insta stories. Well, a little did I know, about three days later, a couple friends who live in Australia messaged me, and they're like, dude, you're in the Daily Mail. And I'm like, wait, what? And so some, basically, Daily Mail had seen these photos on her Insta story, had snapshotted them, and basically decided to create this story about how we were hanging out, what we were wearing, (laughs) and how the romance between her and another individual was being driven further apart. And I Love it. died laughing because it's so ridiculous. And like the way the article breaks down, it's like Darian opted to wear dark blue jeans and a purple V-neck. <laughs> and I'm like, opted? It's not like I stood in, in my closet yeah. that morning going, what should I wear today for the paparazzi? It was like so ridiculous. And that is the ridiculous world of celebrity that we live in. And this is why people in this in this profession need to not worry so much about what people are saying and doing online about you because it's so ridiculous so ridiculous it's it, you just have to let it go and you know as a an author i get some horrible horrible reviews people will rip me to shreds and even with the the podcast people will have so much to say i find them laugh out loud funny totally you know you I have was, to i was there was a uh, review just posted like a couple days ago, and it said something like, if I wanted to listen to some other queen talk about how great their life was, I was like dying laughing. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm a queen with a great life? 
That's great that you think that. I didn't know that. That's where I would just respond and be like, you're welcome. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Just like you, you know, obviously you spent so much time that morning getting dressed to go <laughs> shopping. Really ran through my head for almost two seconds. Just, it's just so funny. But yeah, I mean, to see that, I just, I had to laugh because it was, again, it's just so you. So tell me. What is the secret? Like, how how do you live this glowing, positive, wonderful, thriving life? That's uh, that's a that's a great question. I feel like I should ask you that, um, Mr. World Renowned Super Author. Uh, well, mine's easy. It's I work my butt off and know that everything that goes wrong. Just as another like peg on my brand, you can use it to, to, to help my brand move forward. Um, so mine's easy, but yours, I mean, you and and mine is different. Mine is really just trying to talk to people and yeah. just I'm not, you know, event, hey, do I want to do I want to have my own talk show someday? Yeah, am I thrilled that I'm going to have my own sitcom? Uh, yeah, that's incredible, Insane. amazing. But my whole thing is like I just I want to get in front of people to tell them like. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Even though in life it's, it's hard. It's wonderful. No, but you're, you're, yeah. So I'm, it's not that hard to get in front of a group of people who need to hear that life's going to be okay. <laughs> to get on reality shows in the Daily Mail and, you know, be a chief marketing officer at 35 or 30, whatever you are, it's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, you know what? I, I get asked by kids. I speak at colleges and high schools and stuff, and um, I try to just inspire kids that, especially kids who come from difficult or challenging backgrounds, that they can do anything that they want. Because I was lucky enough to be raised by two amazing parents who from day one told me I could do whatever I wanted and supported me on a crazy video game career and supported me on being on a ridiculous reality show and supported me on all the endeavors that I had. But there's a lot of kids in life who are just not that that fortunate. And so what I always tell them is that you can do anything that you want, but you have to put the work in. And that is something that I see when I interview younger people a lot. Some people show up and they are not only practiced and well-versed and they've studied and I can tell they put the work in and they want to, they want to do well in the interview and other people who show up and they haven't played the games and they haven't studied the company and they haven't looked at LinkedIn profiles of people who work there. And so I always say, you know, work hard Give as much as you can into whatever it is you're passionate about, and you will make it happen. It's not going to happen in your timeline. It's not going to happen in your schedule. Right. If it's entertainment, your ass is going to be laid off multiple times because it does to all of us. You get lots it's, of rejection. And lots of rejection left and right. Um, but really, try to put out as much good as you can in the world. And so yeah. often it comes back. I've had so many doors open for me through friends who have been so nice and so kind and have set things up for me and have introduced me to my idols multiple times. I've met all of my idols, which is insane. I've developed a friendship with one of my idols, which is insane. And I'm, those I'm assuming you're talking about um Shirley. The one and only yes. goddess okay. of rock, Shirley Manson, he, which he is a is whole a other huge story. Garbage, uh fan and I, I mean really I'm a stalker, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually you might be I'm basically but... a stalker, but like I think Shirley and I have a wonderful friendship which makes it not stalking. But th- this is my question. How do you go from this is my idol to now we're friends? Like, 
there's a, there's a line that has to somehow be crossed <laughs> one day. Yes. And I don't know how you do that. I mean, I have it's two, a valid question. I have two chapters in my book devoted to Ricky Martin. And I oh, can't even get Ricky Martin Ricky. to like accept like a book for free. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> uh you know what the, the Maybe the I should sh- have you do it. Could you give my book to Ricky Martin? <laughs> I, I, I actually can. You know, Delta hosted the voice with Ricky, so they're like super close friends. So give me a oh book. I will give it to her to give to him. Done. So <laughs> you heard it here, folks. We're making it happen. Said. But see, this is <laughs> this is how LA works. And it's true. It goes we're going right back to the point that you made about putting what you put out, you get back. Yeah. And my biggest thing is, and listen, I can be a bitch and a half, okay? I can we all be can. so moody, but I always try to remember that people won't remember what you say, but they'll remember how they made how you made them feel. And you just try to be nice. And try to be nice Absolutely. because you never know when someone that you kind of know could help change your life. And if Absolutely. you were just nice to them and smiled, that's probably all you need for them to say, okay, I'll help. Yeah. If people want to be around you, they're going to want to hire you. They're going to want to give you a shot. If you're rude to people, you know, one of the great examples I give is um, one of my my lead testers uh, when I was at Rockstar Games, he was 18 or 19 at the time, uh, was on my project. And I, you know, treat everybody as as well as I can at the office. I try to be fun with people, try to have fun. And we had a great relationship. Flash forward about, uh, gosh, this would have been... 12 or 13 years later, that tester went on to become a very, very successful game designer at places like uh, Bungie and Blizzard and like top game companies. And he was a VP of design at a company called Scopely. And I was ramping down another company, starting to look around. He and I met for coffee and he said, you know what, come on in and I'll introduce you to the CEO who's my boss and maybe there's something here. Long story short, a month and a half later, I was VP of development there because of that relationship with that lead tester that I kept yeah. up over 12 or 13 years, which is very positive. So if you if you treat the people who are bringing you coffee or are doing the, you know, the, the simple job at the start, if you're rude to them, that will absolutely catch up with you at some point in your career. And if you're nice and positive and fun and happy and try to treat everybody positively, it will absolutely come back in karma one way or another. I've seen it so many times. It's true. And then then also remember that the people that are treating you poorly, sometimes they don't, people don't want to be nasty. They don't want to be mean. You don't know what they're dealing with. So even if someone is treating you nasty or they are moody or edgy or whatever, just try to do the best you can to not throw it back at them because I feel like they appreciate that even more. Totally. You don't know it, but they do. I had uh, an experience where someone who I really was convinced hated my guts because they were pretty rotten to me. Hmm. When it when I needed something, they were there in a second and informed me that they it annoyed them how I never threw anything back at them. And I was just always so nice, even though <laughs> they came at me with every trick in the book and that they respected me so much for it and that they, you know, realize what a great guy I am and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And that taught me a lot about how to react in situations where your your instinct is to act in a certain way. So not only That's be awesome. nice to everybody, but, you know, make sure you're, you really keep yourself in check with those people that are the ones that you want to kind of slap around because you don't know <laughs> what they're going through. And I always That's say, true. you know, it's a big thing for me is everybody's doing the best they can with the issues that they have. 
Well, and to be fair, some people are just bitches. So they are. You know, there's they are, and it's not about you. It's about nope. life. And totally. So don't take it personally. Um, <laughs> well, you definitely. Uh, it's just again, people follow him. We need to get him at least half a million followers so he can. I mean, you're <laughs> going to be ready to. Re- well, you're going to be. Re- you're going to be at retirement age from your industry in what, like five minutes? Uh, you have, you're going to be hitting 30 years in like a couple years. So then you'll be ready for career two, which can be hosting. I could see you being like, who knows? The next like Ryan Seacrest or something. Maybe, maybe I'll be that guy that sits on the couch uh, next to you on your, on your talk show. Done. I'll, throw in, I'll be your, your Andy. Done. I'll, I'll throw in the witty quips and. Although somehow I up. think that it would not be that way. I would end up being like the one going, wait. What can, can I? Can I? <laughs> because you have so much more interesting things to say. Uh, I, I would probably be your Guillermo. They'd be like, "What's this tall white dude?" Oh, whatever. Guillermo. Uh, um, all right. So before I wrap up with you, because he's very busy, guys. He he's like fit me in. Oh, I think it was like two weeks in advance. I had to schedule him, and he has a a, a phone call he has to be on. So I want to let him get rolling, even though I could talk to him forever. But I have three questions I always ask people. Yes. And the first is, uh, name a time in your life or tell us about a time in your life that you failed or things didn't go the way you wanted to. And then tell us how you feel about that time now. Gosh, there are so many. Uh, um, uh, a time in my life where I failed. Um, uh, I would say a, a good example of a, a time in my life where I failed has probably been one of the multiple times that I have been laid off from a job and I took it very personally and my career has always been so much a part of my identity as it often is with with males in our species and I uh, was very upset and, and it was really hard to sort of you know pick myself up and go okay let's repeat this and let's 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 learn from it and let's uh, find a new path and find a new job and what I learned, you know, especially now at the ripe old age of 36, <laughs> is uh, that every time a door closed, a new one opened. And while it's it's very cliche, it has been very true. And that every time a job has ended, it has opened the door to a new one that has been better for me, where I've been treated better. I've gotten more money. I've had more opportunities, more experiences. And because I tend to be an overly loyal person, a lot of these jobs I would have stayed at for many years, even though I had stopped growing or the company stopped being a good place to be, or I was in a situation where a boss was treating me unfairly or uh, was being homophobic or uh, you know all those different things I experienced in my career. So now when a job ends, I can be more like, you know, that was an awesome chapter and now it's time for something new and i i've now look at relationships the same way having gone through some really really bad um way way more drama than bravo tv quality uh, breakups <laughs> um and completely completely real uh it's it's uh, definitely been a lot of, of of learning experiences that now at this point and go you know what cool got it I, I that was a great chapter that was what it was meant to be this is what i was meant to learn and now it's time for something new perfect way to think of things and i always say i look at them as seasons past seasons of my the show that is the mj show oh my god that sounds like an adele song <laughs> oh yes adele want to write a song <laughs> if about i can me? sing i hey. can totally do it <laughs> uh yeah it's, it's a great way to look at things you know it's it was it was what it was it served its purpose and it helped push you to the new place uh so okay second question uh your perfect day would it be hanging out at oh. the beach hiking a mountain exploring a city or building a snowman. Gosh, that, there are so many awesome answers to that. You know what? Um, I think I feel like I know what yours is going to be. 
You can go ahead, but right I have... now my perfect day would be um, a day that I get to have frequently, which is I would probably work on a concept for a TV show or a commercial that I get to make, and then I would see a bucket load of my closest friends. I'd hopefully maybe get to see my um, idol perform at night, Miss Shirley Manson of Garbage, uh, and and rock out to her and dance the night away. And I think that would be a perfect day for me. All right. I'm going to have to rephrase this question because every time I ask it, people don't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, Okay. What's your? what would be your perfect day? Hanging out at the beach? Hiking a mountain? Exploring a city? Or building a snowman? <laughs> that was the question. Okay. Everybody does this. Got it. <laughs> so this question, um, as a failure, I have realized this question is a fail. <laughs> And now I'm just going to ask people to describe the perfect day. Uh, we would April like the judge to tell counsel <laughs> the question was misleading and yes. have it struck him from the record. Um, my perfect day in that scenario would be exploring a city. And Travels- I said, city. Oh, my ding, God. Ding, 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 you know me so well. I knew you were going to say that. Travel is one of the greatest gifts of life. And exploring new cities is one of my favorite things. I love so much on his social media, he'll like put pictures of random things in cities. And I love that I'm always one of the first people knows what it is. <laughs> I'm like, I've been there. I know what it is. You are a globetrotter. I am. To say the least. I am too. So I get it. Now, the most important question oh, of God. this whole podcast. Oh, boy. Yes, I'm single. Wait, what? Okay, guys. Oh, sorry. He's single. Well, we could put up a link in, 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 <laughs> in <laughs> if we want. That's clearly something he wants me to do. Anyway, no. What is your favorite theme song? Oh God! A theme song from a TV show? I yes. If you want, if you want a movie or something that you decide is your theme song, that's fine too. But I go with what is your favorite TV theme song? Favorite TV theme song? It's it's tough because um, most TV shows don't have theme songs, and I feel like that's something from our kind of childhood era that has now died However, because if you've of realized attention spans. That the major sitcoms and the major shows on tv all do have a theme song that people love think of game of thrones i mean game of thrones is epic big bang uh modern family there's still something that people love about their songs that is that is so true so my my all-time favorite tv show is buffy the vampire slayer which was iconic and absolutely shaped my my childhood and youth and and teenagehood and i identified with and sort of that feeling of being an outsider and the song performed by nerf herder is such a great classic 90s awesomeness i feel actually ashamed to say this i have never watched buffy the vampire okay well i have to go uh however the movie the movie buffy the vampire slayer i loved i loved that movie oh my god and i saw it when i was a kid and then the show came on and it was too serious so i didn't like i I just didn't want to watch the show because i thought it was supposed to be some like funny valley girl thing wow okay so first off like that's <laughs> super insulting to like the entire entertainment industry I'm sorry. Um, secondly one of the best tv shows ever made it was dramatic it was funny it was it. written uh directed by joss whedon one of my idols who I, I luckily also got to meet and even from so. from that show uh i've made multiple lifelong friends my friend valerie uh who lives in belgium and i met on internet relay chat in a Hashtag Buffy chat room oh my. in the early 90s, in the 90s and are great friends to this day. Hilarious. My other, oh, I'm a, such a freaking hey, If nerd. I knew about this shit, I would have done it. Oh, it's I'm, it's I'm so that person. Totally. I just didn't know about it. So, and I'm glad because it got me to go outside. 
Otherwise, well, I would have been That inside. sounds dangerous and terrible. <laughs> but one of my other lifelong friends, Trent Venegas, uh, and I met because he wrote a blog called Pink is the New Blog. And um, this was about 10 years ago. And I went to a Buffy sing-along at the LA Film Festival for I the musical you. episode. <laughs> yes, I'm a huge nerd. And uh, I saw him there and I read his blog and I walked up and, and said hi. We talked. We took a photo. Um, and then we sang along to Buffy, like total nerds. And then at the end of the show, we ended up bumping each other outside. He invited me to his birthday party. We hung out and we became close friends from that moment on. So thanks to Buffy, I have two lifelong friends, which is nuts. Well, that's, I mean, that's great. So <laughs> I, I'm going to listen to this theme song. And as always, I'm going to end the episode with that theme song. Love it. And then I will let you know what I, what I think about it. So that's fantastic. Darian, you are. I mean, the word epic comes to mind because you and your life, it's epic. I mean, coming from an epic mother. And I will say, I know it's been a while, but I saw that your father passed away and I'm really sorry. And what what Thank makes you. me bring this up is that I went on and on about your mother, but it seems like you had a really special dad as well. I, I was blessed with the two most amazing parents anyone could ask for who were accepting and supportive. And my dad was my video game champion and, and uh, helped me play Pac-Man the first time when I was five. Um, and we announced that I that I had the rights to make a Pac-Man game, uh, which w- would have been his uh, his 66th birthday. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, September 26th. And uh, dad was dad was a champion for me and an amazing, amazing father. And I miss him dearly. Well, I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I, I saw that and it it, was, it had made an impression on me because I could see the the love that you had for him. So you, how do people follow you so they can find out more about you and become <laughs> a big, big, big fan? Um, if they're into nerds, uh, it's at Darian L1 on, on Instagram and Twitter. That's D-A-R-I-O-N-L-1. And yeah, follow me and I will likely follow you back and send you lots of likes. What a guy. What more could you ask for in this in this social media age? All right, Darian, thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate having you. You're the best. Thank you for having me, and congrats on your insane success. Oh, thank you so it's much. Well-deserved. I can't wait to watch your career grow and all the stuff that's coming to you because I know it's going to be fun to watch. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, and stay tuned for the Buffy theme song. Ooh. Bye. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast. Mm-hmm.